out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in to all the characters, places, things, details, concepts, and stuff of the galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as always, by my fellow galactic cartographer, Ross. Mac, it is great to be back here today. We have a really fun two-topic show. We are going to start out by talking dark troopers yeah now just as a heads up we're gonna say it here and say it early spoilers for this week's episode chapter 14 the tragedy of the mandalorian okay uh right off the bat um throughout the whole show so just as a heads up watch it first that's just the simple thing about it yes because our other topic also involves this uh ironically i don't think we really planned it it just came up is tython yeah it was just a nice happy coincidence it was we decided uh out of since we had to kind of choose this week we were forced to choose between some of our favorite children uh (laughs) we we decided to stick with this one so we've got a double mando episode this week but there's something else we have to talk about it's it's time we have the first week's winner of the season of giving and oddly enough i i I don't have the history anymore and i didn't have a chance to go back and look this morning after i drew the winner okay but i think they were the first person to win last year too and last year we had something like maybe six entries Mm -hmm. and this year we had close to 30 wow so it was a really fun surprise because I use the same, you know, random number generators, same, <laughs> same, same stuff. randomness, no funny business going on. And I'm pretty sure they won last year. Okay. Uh, but hey, that does not exclude you from winning no, this year, no, nor no, does no. it exclude you from winning, hey, next week. So congratulations to uh, Rez, uh, Twitter user, Real Rez Ludub. Uh, we, yeah, right. Yeah. So I'm trying, I was trying to remember, I wish I still had it. I'm going to go back and look, but anyway, thank you so much, uh, for listening and thank you so much for participating. Uh, I know I talked to you earlier. We're going to get that out to you, um, next week. And real quick, what did they win? Oh, they won, sorry, the, uh, first edition hardcover blue paged edge copy of, oh boy, Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising, in the season of celebration. Yay! Yay! Congratulations. The season of giving, the season of celebration, the season of winning. It's all here. Uh, happy Star Wars, everyone. Now, the thing about it is if you're listening and saying, like, that sounds pretty nice. I'd like to be in on the season of giving. Well, wait till the end of the episode because the season of giving continues because we'll have another item to That's send out to right. a right. We've fan. got something else to give away, and it is on theme. Oh, that's yes. all I'll say. That's true. That's true. So stick around till the end. We've got some fun stuff uh, to talk about, some fun stuff to give away. And uh, we can't wait to do it. Mac, you ready? Let's get started. Thank you, Commander, for responding at such short notice. The Empire has been keeping us on the run since the destruction of the Death Star. Five days ago, the Empire attacked one of our secret bases in the city of Talay. This is Tech Base to anybody out there. Please, we're under Imperial attack. There were no reason there was no warning at all. base was destroyed within minutes. Many innocent people in the surrounding city as well as the rebel staff were killed. Intelligence thinks that this may be an act of retaliation for the destruction of the Death Star. Interesting. This looks like it could be a normal Imperial attack, except for those sounds. Very perceptive, Commander. I know you understand that all we discuss here is classified. This Imperial officer, Crix Medine, wishes to defect to the Alliance. He has supplied us with information on the development of a new Imperial weapon. Those sounds you heard, we believe, come from that weapon. A new type of stormtrooper, the Dark Trooper. A new stormtrooper that can take out a rebel base that quickly? I should have kept working for the Empire. The rebel command is not taking this lightly. 
They have authorized me to hire you to find out if there is a threat and if there is, to shut it down. That is, if you are still on our side. This could be interesting. Alright, I'm in. But I think I'll need some help on this one. I want Jan Ors as my mission officer. Certainly. Then I will let Jan brief you further on your mission objectives. Thank you, Commander. And may the Force be with you. Dark Trooper, release. That's the phrase that's said when we first see the Dark Trooper in, well, I guess not canon. Well, actually, let's go over that for a second. So we're going to talk about the Dark Trooper, which, spoiler alert, again, just because, yeah. Um, the Dark Trooper in canon, what, what, what do we see, Ross? <laughs> well, there's a few things that we see. We've seen uh, essentially two appearances so far. And so we see them at the end of um, the, well, we see them at the end of the siege. And we see them kind of hung up in their racks. There's not a lot to see, but it's quite dark. But if you look, there are some uh, kind people on the internet who have enhanced the photos. And you can <laughs> see a little bit of detail. Um, you know, and basically you get the fact that they're big, giant, menacing, scary black robots, right? Right. But then we get to see them in action for the first time here uh, in the tragedy. And so... It all comes down right at the end of the episode. We see four dark troopers launch from the Imperial cruiser. They land on top of the mountain. They sort of, well, not quickly. That's one of the things I wanted to mention, but yeah. sort of uh, systematically and methodically grab the child and take back off. Um, and when they land, you know, we get to see a good view of them kind of for the first time as they're flying down with their rocket booster feet. Mm -hmm. And um, they're kind of like, you know, they have the big sort of almost reminiscent of a stormtrooper black helmet. But they're the rest of them is very Terminator. Yeah, they're in the vague shape of a stormtrooper. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And they have the red accents, kind of the red glow. And when they land, they're very thick and heavy. Yeah. And they have this like heavy machinery sound to them. And they move very slowly, very purposefully. Um, sort of like an IG-88 unit, but whereas uh, you know an IG unit feels nimble, these feel clunky and heavy, and I imagine we will come to learn that they're made out of some type of very heavy, dense material mm -hmm. that might make them harder to damage or something like that. Well, I like think that. they're built for, for abuse more than they're built for, like, I, I think you're right in the sense of it reminds me of, like, the, the old trope with zombies. Of, you know, individual zombies aren't scary. They slowly plod towards you, but the fact of they're inevitable. You can't escape them. You can't kill them. They're just going to keep coming at you, and eventually one of them will get you. Yeah. I was kind of surprised because I could, if that's the approach that ends up happening in these next couple, uh, you know, final episodes of season two of Mando, then I'll be it. But I... I'm kind of surprised because I wouldn't expect that to be the case. I would expect these dark troopers to be rare. Yeah. And, you know, I was expecting at this well, episode we would see, you know, they would try and fight them and they would just handily defeat them. That's what I was expecting. So I was surprised when it was just a quick abduction and, you know, go. All right. So now we're going into speculation, Terry, for a second. But like, oh, sure. Yeah. My, my general idea was like, I would see it as this would be the one and only use of them. Like, in another world, I go, yeah, they're here, and they're perfect for this exact scene to play out, because they can fly, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's important, because the Mando has lost his jetpack because mm -hmm. of story events so that he can't chase. This is an important use of the characters. And it's just a nice little fan service nod, which we'll get into in a second. Um, and then beyond that, they just wouldn't use him again, because what's the point? But then I remember that a team has painstakingly made the CGI models for these <laughs> and realized that that's not realistic, that they're not going to ever be used again. Because I feel like that rack we see Gideon, there's like a dozen of them there. And I feel that's like, that's all of them. That's all that he has. Yes, I would. that's my thought as well. Especially because who would need more? <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, maybe. See, that's the thing. I We need to see what they can do. That's the big thing. And we have not yet seen it. And that's, you know, talking about sp and, uh, speculation, presuming they're saving that for the finales. And again, 
this is where I can give some better, more authentic speculation since I'm very familiar with what they were in Legends. Oh, okay. Okay, so, all right. Well, since you probably know a good bit more, here's what I know about them when it comes to Legends. Yes. Okay, that's it. <laughs> I was going to say, are they Terminator robots in the vague shape of a stormtrooper? Yeah. I get the impression. Yeah, okay. So it, it is good to know that they are robots, right? Mm-hmm. They are not uh, people. And they're big and they're scary. That's true. And they have had some action figures made of them at a couple points. That is also true. That's about all I know. Okay. Okay, so tell me. Teach me. I'll go from there. Please. Um, So, uh, basically, because the Mandalorian is, is basically mining my dreams for what they want to do with Star Wars... Uh, I cannot express the elation I had seeing them not just revealed as, oh, well, we saw dark troopers and like the descriptive text of the captioning from the siege. Maybe that's what they are, but they'll probably be different. And we I think we even speculated on the show of like showing the cloning. And then that made me feel that like, oh, they're not my dark troopers. They're not the ones I'm thinking of. Yeah. You were telling me how you were expecting them to be. Some, you know, uh, amalgam of man and machine type of thing. Right. Uh, Go in Terminator Salvation here. Go full Terminator, like an organic skin over a metal endoskeleton. (laughs) Oh, okay. Sure, Um, sure, sure. Something. uh, I like that. But uh, what it basically comes down to is they've essentially brought them into canon. Now, when I was a kid, one of the first things I got really into Star Wars, because, all right. I've said it a million times. I've watched Return of the Jedi entirely too much. And I watched yeah. that with my brother, and that was the core of Star Wars. And then I eventually found my own things I liked about Star Wars, independent from my brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and very early on, because I think this game's from, like, 1993. Like, it's way back. Like, I was young when it came out. Um, was Star Wars Dark Forces. Now, at the time, LucasArts, which was the video game wing of uh, Lucasfilm, uh, generally they, they had a good winning formula that they used for a good 15 years there where they're like, what game is popular? This one, make an official star Wars version of it then. <laughs> uh, and it worked, you know, like what's popular wing commander. Awesome. Go make X wing. <laughs> hey, what's popular. Doom is really popular. Go make doom, but star Wars, <laughs> because that's what dark forces was. Um, and like everything that LucasArts would do, it was a little more advanced, like it used 3D objects. And while the environments weren't necessarily 3D, a lot of chunks of the environments were. Uh, and so at the time it was pretty impressive. It was also, I think before even Doom got to it, you were controlling up and down, like you could aim up and down. I know this probably to youths sounds insane, the idea of like, it's a first person shooter and you can finally aim up and down, but you should go play Doom. Understand where you came from. Understand (laughs) how good you've got it now. Um, But the entire point of Dark Forces was you played this unbeknownst character, Kyle Katarn, who was working as a mercenary for the Rebellion, who's a really good gun for hire, who's a former Imperial Stormtrooper. And the beginning of the game is you essentially running around doing stuff for the Empire, like you steal part of the Death Star plans that they use to unlock uh, Princess Leia's half of the Death Star plans. Um, You uh, then are sort of tasked to this mission where this base, TAC base, on this relatively, like, relatively far away planet. Like, the Rebellion has a fairly open and obvious, like, base there because they're in a friendly system. Except that system gets demolished. Because as we see in one of the cutscenes, General Mock, who is this big kind of corpulent, like, um, imperial general, um, his pet project is called the Dark Trooper Project. Okay. It's essentially he doesn't really trust or believe in the Stormtrooper Corps. He doesn't think humans and beings are a good enough force. Mm -hmm. They can, you know, they can question orders. They can think independently. He doesn't like that. (laughs) So it's been his kind of dream to build a weapons platform that would replace the infantry. And what it ends up being is this project called the Dark Trooper Project. And we see them essentially launch. We see these gray, like space gray stormtrooper armor loaded into these canisters, fired down at a planet. And the second mission of the game is you realizing what they did. Four troopers wipe out an entire base. Just destroy it. Um, And 
when you're running around trying to figure out what it is, essentially the, the central plot of the game is the mystery of what are these things? How do these things work? They don't seem human because, again, you don't know that they're robots until yeah. you get further in the game. They just yeah. seem like big stormtroopers. Um, and the main piece of evidence you get is you find an unknown metal called Frick, uh, P-H. Um, Frick is basically a very, very, very powerful um, heavy-duty metal that's also surprisingly like light for its strength ratio. Like It's like Star Trip, Starship level armor. But a person could carry it. Hmm, okay. Um, but the problem is a human being can't carry it. So they developed robots. And so the very first thing you fight, remember, this is 1993. The thing you referenced, Terminator 2 was kind of new and in the <laughs> zetgeist of what people were thinking at the time. So the phase one dark troopers you fight in the Frick Mines is a, is a Terminator. It's a vaguely more C-3PO-like... And I even see three PO. You remember that loader droid in the special edition that punches down the like little uh, drone? That's mm-hmm. an asp droid. Yeah. It's more like that. It's kind of got almost a slitty kind of mono eye, mm-hmm. and it's it's really big. And the big thing about it is it has no weaponry except for it has just a giant spike coming out of one arm. Mm-hmm. Like you can deploy that spike, and then it just comes and slashes at you. Um, and because it's made of ferric, it's if it's really hard to kill. Okay. Okay, that's fine. I can deal with those. Well, a couple of layers, levels layer, you start dealing with phase two troopers, which are the ones that are then armored. So it's that endoskeleton with armor on top of it. And now they have this weapon that is a extremely high powered, fast shooting, uh, essentially pulse gun. Like it's it's almost like shooting a, a laser minigun, if you will. These yeah. blue, blue pellets of plasma at you. Uh, which is great because you eventually get to equip that weapon. But um, they're incredibly hard to kill because they're as strong as they were before. Now they're armored. And last but not least, they have this devastating weapon. Okay, phase two are terrifying. You can see why they tear apart a base. And as you get to the last level of the game where they've been manufactured and where they're deployed from, the Ark Hammer, which is General Mock's sort of like, it's next to his flagship, then you meet the phase three and the phase three is what we see in Mandalorian. It is bulkier, bigger black armor now. And then they add the wonderful bit of rocket boots. Um, In the game, you can't really see it. You just sort of hear the burning of the rockets. And I always think I had it more that it was on their back, Mm. like, like a jet pack kind of thing. Um, but they're running around, and now they can move incredibly fast in all three dimensions. <laughs> and they're shooting you with that pulse laser. And they also can come up and charge you, so they have a melee attack. And on top of that, they can occasionally launch a rocket launcher. Um, they're terrifying. I think you only fight maybe four or five of them in the entire game because of how deadly they are. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing, which is what I'm very, very curious to see if they do in the show, is... Um, General Mock is the final battle of the entire game. Mm-hmm. And what he basically has is he has a phase three trooper customized armor, which basically has all the stuff except a person can pilot it. So the endoskeleton is kind of pushed so he's out. got like a mech suit. Yeah, exactly. And that battle's horrible because it's the it's the same thing as the phase three, except they don't have his it his pattern isn't as predictable because there's a person in there. Um so it's a real slog. It's awful and hard. <laughs> um, but those the, the, that series of troopers is probably one of the things that launched me into finding about all the different way, ways troopers were. You know, you know your scout troopers, your sand troopers, your snow mm-hmm. troopers. But what about these dark troopers? What about black, black hole troopers? What about your scuba troopers? This is what Max starts getting real into. <laughs> um, and I think it was also because like there's three phases of them and you over the game because all LucasArts game were more narrative based. It's surprising how like intriguing the first run you like the mystery of what are these things? What are their purpose? How did they come into being? And again, by the time you start fighting phase two troopers, you've been so armored up that it feels that, yeah, these things could have taken an entire base of normal troopers. And the only reason I'm killing them is because I've been like 
uncovering this mystery. I have weapons that are good for, you know, against that metal and stuff. Um, and it's really, really great. So taking what we've saw, taking all that yeah, and add it over, I think the things we're going to find is, I think I, it's, it depends on the nerdy parts of me say like, okay, here's what I think. And then I also stop myself going like, but you're not going to spend any exposition time explaining this to an audience in The Mandalorian. So maybe that's not what they're going to do. Because I think of like, I could see the word Frick being mentioned about their metal is special and maybe even resistant to like lightsabers. Mm -hmm. I don't think they would probably be, I think we're very firmly establishing like Beskar is the only real known metal of any sort that stops lightsabers. And you don't think there's any chance these dark troopers we're seeing in the show are made of Beskar, do you? No. That would be weird. They could. I mean, they it's, could. Yeah, it's possible. Uh, I I think the reason I would go against that is because Beskar has really been shown to be that gunmetal, unless you yeah. paint it. Yeah. And those guys had sort of the glossy black armor. Yeah, they didn't feel... Maybe they were like... like oh, maybe the bodies. Let's put it this yeah. way. The bodies could be, yeah. like the phase one that's inside there, the yeah. endoskeleton I could see. But what I would more see is like if a Jedi attacks them, I see them like hacking at them. Yeah. Like they don't just cut right through. You got to chop at them a bit yeah. to break them down. It'll be interesting to see because I think I don't think we're going to have a Jedi's help in defeating them, at least in this season. I think I it's going to be mostly up to our uh, our bounty hunter friends. So it'll be very interesting to see what their level of strength is. And if and they I mean, we have no idea, you know, in the show this could just be the very first iteration, and we could see them build and change the same way they do in Dark Forces. Well, I think the useful thing about them is, yeah, I mean, we could see all different all different phases throughout the course if they want to go that route. I think yeah. the primary reason they brought the three is, A, it's the most intimidating looking of them. Yeah. It's got a real great visual presence being this black robot armor, um, especially because just like you saw on the show, like... The phase three, like the arms are almost gorilla like. They're a little too long and lanky, so you can mm-hmm. see all those bits and bobs of the machinery. Like yeah. the phase two look like really, really, really like Andre the Giant in Stormtrooper armor. Like it, they look still The phase two do, you say? Yeah. yeah. The phase okay. two still look like really, really, really bulky stormtroopers. The yeah. phase three, you can tell they're not human. And yeah. I think that's why they used them. I think the other thing why they're in the show from a function standpoint is they are a very good anti-Mandalorian kind of weapon system. You can't, the Mandalorian can't just shoot them with the blaster and they'd be dead. You know, stormtroopers only take a blaster bolt from a Mando gun. These will take more than that. The Mando can't fly away from them. They have rocket boots. Yeah. And I think what you're going to see, my hope is that they will still have their phase cannons and you'll see that that suppressing fire of like constantly hitting you. Yes. The best guard will take that, but it's going to pin you down. You know, you can't do anything while it's hitting you. Yeah. Um, That's kind of what I see as their usefulness is that they're a really great weapon for, I don't know, say the, the Mandalorian and uh, who else has a gyp? Maybe Boba Fett. I could see both of them having a hard time fighting <laughs> these things. Yes. So then what I really expect to happen is the child will just completely rip them apart from the insides out probably, right? Just kind of just have a big moment of just oh, dismantling them from just the make inside. make them into an like exploded diagram and yeah. then they just fall to the ground. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think uh, you're right. I think that's uh, – you know what? I'm not going to say I think you're right. You know what? This show has constantly gone, oh, oh, are those your expectations? No. <laughs> no. Nah. Like, like Ahsoka's coming. Ahsoka's coming. Ahsoka's coming. All right, we're just going to start this episode with an amazing Ahsoka battle scene. Do you want to see her? She's right here. She's right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Same with, like, same with this last episode. Like, like oh, you guys were wondering where Boba Fett's going to come in? Oh, Slave One. Yeah, he's yeah. here. He's here. He's going to do stuff. Yeah. And, and. Of course he's going to go put that armor on. Yeah. You know, I do have a gripe. I don't like how Disney Plus automatically plays recaps. Like, And I don't know about anybody else, but the recaps on my Disney Plus app have been broken forever. Where oh, like, if you hit okay. skip recap, it only skips five seconds ahead and you have to do it like eight times. Oh, I haven't uh, had any problem with that, but I've also always watched it because ever since episode uh, of this season two, so that's chapter yeah. 10, um, they reminded you of the droid that's hanging out inside the Razor's Crest, which made me go, oh, I'm going to watch the recaps because 
it's not just a recap of what happened last episode. It's yeah. It's reminding you of things that will be important in this episode if for some reason you've forgotten. So that's that's exactly what I'm saying. That's my gripe is they're spoiling things by specifically showing you like, oh, hey, don't forget that person who died in Chapter 5 in Tatooine. Well, it sounds more like you had a problem with your media player that the chip skip doesn't work. Yeah. Because the just, skip's for like, you. We don't need that. Like, come on. Like... Oh, like, I think you overestimate the average TV watching audience. Oh, no, for sure. I'm just saying, like, for the first 48 hours. Ross, I'm, I'm going to tell you something, something that's going to scare and you. And then add it in. Probably, like, 10, 20% of the people watching Mandalorian Season 2 yeah. have never watched Season 1. Like, that's a legitimate fact. I'm sure that's happened. Well, Because that's how bad that's TV problem, watching then. is in that's America. That's their problem. Don't cater to them. Don't cater to them. But they're the people buying Disney Plus. They're All the moms, dads, grandpas, so wives. Good about keeping spoilers out. And then they're like, hey, here's a giant wink and a nod to what this episode's going to be about I, right before you watch it. It's frustrating. Um, that's all. I I don't know. I find it fine. But that's that's all. But I don't think people multiple times a year like you and me binge watch the entire show. I don't think that's necessarily normal. Uh, I think. Sure, sure, uh, sure. Uh, and I think it was, I think 10 was a good example because while I would have put the pieces back together of, oh, that robot, would, I, yeah, that's, uh, uh, what's his name? I can't remember his name. Yeah, the, the British IT comedian. Guy. It's, it's Richard Adelaide. It, it's his character. Like, I would have remembered that eventually, but them showing to me goes like, oh yeah, I completely forgot about that guy. Wait, is he going to be? So I think you need to watch The Mandalorian more is what you're telling me. Yeah. I, when I forget things, I need to go. Whole rewatch. Whole rewatch. Admittedly, out of all the things in Star Wars to shrug your shoulders and say, whole rewatch, this is the easiest one. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Um, but I am, what I do today. I am beyond excited to see what they do with all of this, like how this is going to play out. Now, I will say, if you have the stomach for older video games, because I'm not going to lie, this game at the time could get frustrating because some of it's just very difficult. Um, like there's conveyor belt puzzles and stuff like that that are just very tedious now. You have to remember in 1993, we didn't meaningfully have the internet. So if a game was really frustrating, you just played it harder. You didn't move on to anything else because this was the one game you had for <laughs> this half of yep. the year. Um, but I will say Dark Forces, I think it's like six bucks out there on the various like PC platforms. And it's definitely worth checking out because... Kyle Katarn went on to be a very important character. Mm -hmm. I'll be surprised if he doesn't show up in canon on a long enough timeline just because yeah. of how many things he got woven into by yeah. the time it was done. Um, but I think the interesting thing about it is, like, you can see where the Dark Troopers come from. And again, it's still a pretty decent story. Again, I think you got to have the stomach for Doom and Doom clone era video games. But, like, I don't know. I still like that game. I think I played through the entire thing maybe three years ago again, and it's fun enough. There's cheat codes. Use them. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, it's it's pretty good. Maybe I'll have to give it a try. I uh, I have never played it. Uh, I never had uh, the ability to really access computer games. This was the time when my parents said, hey, we, these these video games are making you stupid. Your brother and his stupid NES, it's just it's ruined you kids. We're not going to let you have that. Now, here's a computer for educational purposes only. <laughs> and I think it was my birthday of that year. They got me Dark Forces, and they should have realized the battle was over. Yeah. But my dad was encouraging of it because the Dark Forces was the first game I started learning how game code works and starting to modify it. Uh, like, you could add a lightsaber into it if you knew what you were doing. You could add new levels. You could do all this kind of stuff because, well, it's a Doom clone, and Doom clones were really easy to modify back in the day. Um, so I got very nerdy, got really into computer games. Now I don't have the stomach for them. I'm a console, I'm a console uh, loser because I have a very powerful PC, but I'm like, well, I could go modify it and really tune it up. Yeah, but who has the time? <laughs> Just boot up PlayStation and call it a day. Oh, don't sell yourself short. Use that PC for plenty of stuff. Flight Sim's the only thing that justifies yeah. that. That yeah. We're very far off the topic of Dark Troopers, so I think we'll leave it here. <laughs> I'm very excited to see what they use them for. And as I was teasing earlier, I am very, very curious to see how much they really like and want to use the Dark Troopers. As if are are they just a fun little like exclamation point to this season 
Or is this something where like, no, this is a key to Darth or, or Moff Gideon's plan. If he climbs inside a phase three dart trooper, I'm going to be, I'm going to lose my mind. And it I th- could happen. It's a good way for him to go directly yeah. against the Mandalorian. If it breaks that he's not a force user, yeah. which is still very, I don't know right now. You know, last week we talked about kind of our biggest questions going into the finale of the Mandalorian here mm-hmm. uh, of the season. I mean, and, you know, there are two things we didn't mention. And the biggest one, I think, to me that we didn't mention is, does Gideon make it out of this season? Is he the continual big bad for our character, for the Mando? I've seen a lot of speculation that he's not because they name drop Thrawn. And while I think yeah. Thrawn might enter the show, I still feel that's like, to be blunt, that's another story for someone else to tell. I yeah. don't see how you get him entrenched in the Mando's story. I completely agree. I don't, I, I could see him being part of the plot, like the Emperor to Gideon's Vader. Yeah. Um. But like, I think the biggest thing with Gideon is, I don't think Gideon's going to die this season, or at least he, he's not going to go away. Like he might be live on through holograms because there's the whole, how does he figure into the Mandalorian purge? Yeah. And there seems like there's no way to kill him without that personal story being told. Now, maybe they're following breadcrumb trails to find out what he was doing and finding caches. And, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I, I would say it's easier that he just survives. And maybe this season you really deal him a blow, like cut off an arm or, you know, something like that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I do think he'll also make it out. Um, but I don't know. The future will tell. I can't. But wait. I agree that by the last season of the Mandalorian, I don't think he'll be the big bad. Okay. I think we'll step okay. up to something worse by that. Very interesting. So we'll see. Very interesting. I can't wait. All right. Well, we've talked about the Dark Trooper. Let's talk about the planet that it was deployed to. Let's do it. Mac, we want to take a pause from the show here to talk about something that's very important and something we've talked about before. The fact that Star Wars needs to be a place for everybody. That means that everybody needs to be welcome. Yeah, and you know, luckily you and I were uh, both uh, brought up in a way and experienced life in a way that we feel pretty open uh, to all Mm -hmm. sorts of different people, but we definitely understand that there are a lot of people out there in different situations who maybe have some different opinions than us, and of course there are times when differing opinions are perfectly great and valid, but when it comes to human rights, it's something that we believe should belong to every person. And so today what we're here to talk to you briefly about is a fundraiser that has been started by some other members of the Star Wars community, and we just want to take a minute and amplify it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, something we heard at the end of Last Jedi that Rose says is that we're going to win this war not by fighting what we hate, but by saving what we love. And Mm -hmm. what's great about fundraisers like this is we're trying to promote the positive things that this community can do for not just ourselves and Star Wars fans, but the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. And uh, it's fun to point out, too, hey, that's also the Jedi's philosophy. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people forget about that. But anyway, this uh, fundraiser, which you can find on GoFundMe, and if you search, it is titled Trans Rights Are Human Rights. This is the way. Mm -hmm. And this is a fundraiser that's been going on for a little while now. They've raised over $11,000 at the time of recording this. Isn't that insane? $11,000. It's exciting, but it's still can go further. Mm -hmm. And that's why we want to boost that voice and let you know about it so that you can support it. Absolutely. So please feel free to seek this out. We are going to share the links on our Twitter uh, as well in the coming weeks uh, to go along with our different Mandalorian segments that we're going to be doing. But uh, we also just want to point out why does this exist, right? Well, where this money is going is to the Trans Law Center to Mm -hmm. help defend people who can't defend themselves against um, either physical attacks or discrimination right and so what we're trying to do here is just let you know that these things are very important to us mm-hmm. and this is the kind of community that we will have here at star wars all in so let's just look at it this way we're star wars all in for a reason because it's all in on star wars and everyone belongs and this is all about 
following the way, which is to accept everyone just the way they are and support people's fights to be the people that they are. I was a little disappointed that we only got to see one tiny bit of Tython. I like what we did see. <laughs> I liked what we saw a lot, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the planet we just saw this last week, uh, if you're listening to this in real time, of Chapter 14 of The Mandalorian. Um, Tython is a planet rich in history in the Star Wars universe. Um, it's appeared a whole bunch in Legends, but we're going to start by talking about it in the modern context, where it only has two appearances. Now, this is its first filmed appearance here in The mm -hmm. Mandalorian. It also appeared it last year in an issue of Dr. Afra, where her and oh. Vader make their way to Tython. Uh, and they end up... Now, I have this word in front of me because I know I'm going to mispronounce it. The Meridional Ice Cap. Meridional. 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 Well, George, the thing is you can write this stuff, but you can't say it. So I have not read Dr. Afra, but I did go and pick up and read this issue just to sort of have an understanding here. Basically, uh, Afra is leading Vader astray. Uh, she is trying to protect a rebel vase where she has some uh, friends, some cohorts there. So she takes him to Tython to this sort of place that ends up being very strong in the force. Mm -hmm. uh, and he ends up you know, finding himself there kind of, you know, yeah, distracted by it essentially. And, you know, it's, it's a, it's just a, it's a plot point essentially. It's sort of a, a way for them to get him out of the way. But here sure. we're seeing it now in real life for the first time. And what we're seeing Ugh. are sort of grassy plains with rocky hills kind of, Peaks and well, valleys. The one thing I really like, and again, uh, so this show, we, we saw last season just how amazing its production technique is with yeah. the, well, I don't think it has an official name, so I'm just going to call it the holodrome, like where they have this just giant space, they can remap these screens to make it whatever it needs to be. And I feel like this episode was a very, Mac as a filmmaker, uh, mm -hmm. basically like, Hey, remember last season when you learned the technique and you're like, oh, that's amazing. But now, now look for the seams. Yeah, you try and find the seams in here. Where were we shooting on location? Where were we not shooting location? You have no idea. Um, <laughs> but the location they shot on, whether it is actually Vasquez Rocks National Park in California or not. Vasquez Rocks is in tons of episodes of Star Trek. It was always the the alien desert planet in Star Trek. It's where Captain Kirk fights oh, the lizard monster, the Gorn. Okay, interesting. And the sort of jutting triangular rocks of it are fairly obvious. And I feel the temple is sort of referencing that at least indirectly, if not directly. I mean, split this way. The mo one of the more recent shows of Star Trek, Picard, made the joke of there's a character that's you know, we see Vasco's rocks and it's pouring down and like, especially there's this one rock formation that's very famous. They're panning down on it. And then the little car that tells you where you are is just Vasco's National Park in California. <laughs> like, it was funny. <laughs> like, oh, it exists in their world, too. They must be surprised how many alien worlds looks like that part of California. Oh, that's funny. So I thought it was just such a... F it just screamed sci-fi, even though it is just the... 20 minutes out of L.A., like, it just looks so, um, I guess, alien. It looks like a place that's familiar, but you know you're not on Tatooine. You know you're not on other planets in Star Wars. You're absolutely right. It does feel like a realistic environment that uh, people, you know, in this case, ancient Jedi could live in. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's a uh, 
calm enough landscape for that. A place that is connected to life, right? We see right. their animals, that there's lots of plant growth and stuff, and we're only seeing one small portion of it. But, you know, a place where you can definitely be connected to the natural world around you. Now, mm-hmm. we also obviously see this Jedi formation, you know, Ahsoka yeah. calls it the seeing stone. So... That is, uh, you'd call it man-made, I guess, right? Or, or being made. Well, it's, it's yeah, it's either the Jedi constructed this place to yeah. be a focusing for the Force, or they found a natural place and over generations built this infrastructure around that nexus. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I would imagine these Force um, hotspots you know, occur naturally. Again, it's one of those things of like, was Stonehenge put in a specific place or is it a specific place because Stonehenge was put there? Like, it's yeah. tough to say, but it's it's the same idea of like, Absolutely. we have this sacred circle with this gem? This stone in the middle. I, I, I couldn't tell how shiny it was. Um, <laughs> Smooth. I don't know if I'd say shiny. So everything we see on Tython is this sort of one environment we don't really see anything else. In the Afro comic, do you see a different look to it? Well, you're seeing sort of inside the planet. You're seeing icy, rocky terrain. Well, yeah. Sort They're of, like I at mean, the poles or whatever. Similar to actually what we see in uh, episode two of season two of The Mando. Kind oh, of, okay. Almost kind of like that. You know, obviously it's a comic adaptation of it, so it is sort of hard to tell. But Well, I think yeah. that actually kind of tips the cap to Tython being kind of not necessarily unique, but like one of those special planets that has more than one environ. Cause yes. that's, I mean, look, they, they got that from flash Gordon Buck Rogers. Like that's a classic yes. space opera trope is the ice planet, the desert world. Yeah. The, so Tython's already in Canon got at least two environs. We've got yes. these, these ice caps or where we're, yeah. you know, going through tunnels. And we also have this desert region, which probably tells me there's probably forest regions and coastal regions. And it's probably a full, I would imagine there's a lot more. And I would love if we get to explore more of this in the high Republic. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Tython in legends because Tython yes. is the home of the Jedi. In Legends. It is where the Jedi, the Jedi originate from. It is where, back when it was even uh, spelled differently, right? Right. Um, it was, it's basically a, a place of many terrains and many, many holy sites for the Jedi. It's where the main Jedi Order lives initially. And um, there are different temples that they travel between every young person on the planet every young force sensitive child travels across the planet as they get older and learn different things about being a jedi from different masters um Mm -hmm. there's tons and tons of different life and even weird anomalies in the force one example is there's a desert that uh has no sound Hmm. it's just uh, when you're in the desert there's no sound no sound to be heard period and just these very interesting, unique environments that you get to see different characters explore and experience in essentially the most ancient time in Star Wars that we've ever seen, right. uh, you know, in Legends, of course. And then later on throughout galactic history, like when we get to more of the Old Republic era. And that's more of where, yeah, I'm familiar with is the planet, which I think actually originates like first appearance wise. Um, I think it originates with the Old Republic being called Tython. And what happens in the Old Republic is uh, after the events of Knights of the Old Republic 1 and 2, this game essentially jumps forward, I think it's 800 years or something like that. It's it's disconnected enough to where the Sith Empire has come in from the unknown regions, has sacked Coruscant. Yeah. So the Jedi have been pushed off from Coruscant and the Galactic Core is basically under the control of the enemy. So the Jedi, kind of freaking out from that, fall back to their ancient homeworld. Sort of like it's their ultimate fallback point is Tython, which by the time of the Old Republic is like a sanctuary world. It's where they go to meditate, rekindle their connection to the Force. It's, it's one of their most holy planets. And it's deep, deep inside the Galactic Core. Um... And that's, like you said, we, we find out the ancient history of the, the Jedi and the Jedi Bendu have been here for forever. And at some point, 
this was the main training area of Jedi. This is where all Jedi came from. And at some point they built other temples over the millennia in different yes, places, including Coruscant. from here. Exactly. Um, it's something that I would love to see more. I'm so happy to see it in live action Star Wars now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really hope that that is a hint that it will show up in the future in more Star Wars things. Um, you know, the popularity of the Mandalorian is a great place to have all of these things added back into canon. I also really enjoy that this show is continually muddying the waters of, okay, so how much of Knights of the Republic is canon and isn't? And the general answer is shruggy. Yeah. Um, Because it's kind of going the way of old legends where like, if they acknowledge it, it gets more canony. Like, yeah. so the fact that Tython, a thing that sort of comes from the old Republic stories, like the idea of the four thousands of years ago in the Republic history, the fact that we had like, oh yes, the the Mandalore the the first fought these ancient sorcerers <laughs> is like, so is the Mando Jedi Wars real? Hey, we have this prison cage for Darth Maul, the finale of Clone Wars. Oh, what's it from? Oh, it's the last one we have from those ancient wars. I'm like, just make it canon. Just make the Knights of the Republic stuff canon. Who cares? And it's especially confusing because it's one of the only products that's not Disney canon that Disney is actively supporting and allowing to exist because the Old Republic is still a game you can play. Yeah. So if you want to go visit Tython, Go start that game up. Choose Jedi because that's your starting planet. <laughs> and you can learn a lot more about it. I had no idea that that was so heavily featured in the Old Republic. Yep. Uh, I believe all Jedi classes start on Tython. Very interesting. Yeah, that's how I know about it more than anything. It was just like... And, Very and it's, interesting. And it's a beautiful, lush, almost like... Most of the areas you know are almost like storybook forest. Like force that are big and impressive but not Mm -hmm. scary like just Mm -hmm. awe-inspiring for lack of a better term okay so those are so let's talk about them the best sources obviously in in canon there aren't many in legends canon you've already watched it yeah if not we've spoiled or you you can go read that comic Um, Uh, that's true that's true i'm sorry there's a comic uh in legends so we've got the old republic uh, if you want to look into print, uh, Dawn of the Jedi, uh, yes. the novel, the oldest, uh, well, not oldest, but the uh, <laughs> the earliest, earliest yeah, chronologically best. in Legends timeline novel, Dawn of the Jedi, right. uh, features very, very over half the novel, I would say, uh, takes place Listen. on Tython. So if you really want to explore the different areas of Tython and Legends, that's a great way to do it. Uh, and then also the uh, Dawn of the Jedi comic book series. Mm-hmm. A lot of that takes place on Tython. That's so. interesting. I don't, now I'm thinking about it, I don't know which one got, got to publishing first. They were developed at the same time. Dawn of the Jedi was pretty recent. Like Okay, then I think, yeah. I think Yeah, it was towards the end of Legends. If you want to visit it, or at least what yeah. it looked like in, uh, I think it's like approximately 2,500 before the Battle of Yavin, mm. uh, the Old Republic, like I said, it's one of the main planets. It's the Jedi starter planet. A number of the other characters can get there eventually. I would also recommend Loki, the the Old Republic. If you have the stomach for MORPG grind and treadmill, it's still one of the best stories in Star Wars. Some of those stories, some of those characters are really, really, really great. And I wish they weren't mm-hmm. trapped in a gameplay that I'm not all that into. Um, but uh, the Jedi storyline is really cool. And again, I think Tython represents... Just imagine if you, and again, it predates this, but like, imagine you take the Dagobah training and you take the Octu idea of there's dark side places, light side places, this place of natural wonder and awe, and just make that a planet. That's sort of how they present Tython. Is yes. Tython is this very, very connected to whatever galactic ley lines of power exist. It is very powerful in the light side, is very powerful in the dark side, and it is very connected and hooked up to the force yeah it is a whole planet that acts sort of as a conduit in a lot of ways a uh, very very interesting place that hopefully we'll see more of well and i think what we're going to see is i think you're going to see that because tython has already been establishing canon even with dr afro and stuff yeah. of like yes this is the ancient homeworld of the jedi By putting the child on there and having him connect, he can connect to probably all the other temples in the network because we saw that on Lothal Mm -hmm. when Master Yoda reaches out to Ezra and Kanan. Um, 
so my suspicion is I wouldn't be surprised if maybe another Jedi picks up on this signal and comes back. But maybe not someone who could train the child. Like maybe uh, an Ezra Bridger, for instance, could have picked or that Or a signal. Kyle Katarn. Or a Kyle Katarn. I just... Oh, if that's how Kyle Katarn comes into that, <laughs> it's like, well, I'm not a really great Jedi. Luke was showing me a few things. Wait, is that a dark trooper? Just loads up his pistol. I'm like, I know how to deal with those. <laughs> now that makes sense to me. That could happen. You never know. It's really funny Kyle Katarn became a Jedi because the whole thing with him, he was yeah. totally like the, he was a character built out of the, the idea of Han Solo's line yeah. of, yeah, that's those magic tricks are neat, kid, but it's not as good as a trusty blaster by your side. And he eventually has a lightsaber because. Well, what if Han Solo was a Jedi? That's what it's they not that to far off. You. That's what it's, they wanted to give you. It, yeah, it's not the. Yeah. I, this is not the Kyle Katarn topic. Yes, that was my fault. It's okay. Hey Mac, this was a lot of fun. Python is a cool place. Yeah, and and I I. I don't know if we'll see more of it in The Mandalorian, but I think you're absolutely right. We are going to get more of it in The High Republic. It seems like a place that if I was, say, a 800-year Jedi, I might go and take my sabbatical there. Ah, it's part of it. I could see that. So we'll see. More to come. Another episode comes to an end. We're turning off the scene, so we're ending our broadcast. Another episode of Star Wars All In, done. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. It feels so weird to be here at the tail end. Um, Mandalorian in full swing. The season of giving in full swing. Mac, we have to announce the next giveaway. I know. It's time. We've already announced our first winner, and... I hope they enjoy it. It, it. it won't get to them right away, but we'll get it there. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes. But who who now can get something from the Seasons of Giving Wonder Bag? Okay, so next up, here's what we've got. We'll reach into the bag. We'll shake it around. We'll pull it out. Oh, what is this? We have oh. a Funko Pop. A, uh, I hear those are very popular. That, some people really, really like them. I have gotten my addiction under control lightly, although I did buy this one for myself, too. Uh, <laughs> but here we have a... Well, it is branded as the child, but I'm going to go ahead and call him Grogu. Grogu. We have a, a wonderful little pop here of Grogu with half of a frog sticking out of his mouth. <laughs> he does. Which, in my opinion, is the best Grogu pop I've seen so far. It's I I it's it's a little it's a little gross, but it's it, that <laughs> moment in the show was a little like like Grogu, what are you? Oh, you you just eating a frog? There's oh, its legs are down your throat now. Okay, you yeah, just, that's a thing. Is it weirder to eat a whole frog live or to eat just a raw soggy egg? I have seen humans eat raw soggy eggs like caviar, so sure, I'm going sure. to say that the frog is grosser sure, to me. Most people. Sure prepare frog i think we can all agree bone broth the least gross definitely when are we gonna do we should wait another season or two but we will do a, a topic all on the diet of grogu there's a whole ocean of star wars food we're gonna talk about space waffles yeah. we're gonna oh, talk about God. uh was it tip yet it is so nice to just be able to have a name and to say it and to not have to worry about it and to not have to say i know he's called baby yoda but i'm gonna Oh, I'm still it's, a little so sad nice. that, like, I feel it's still, like, spoiler territory. Like, there's still some friends I have who have not watched The Mandalorian, so I still say the child in in general yeah. conversation. I think by the spring I'll give up on those people. They, yeah, they've had I their time. Yeah, I can only wait so long. That's a good point. So I was having a conversation with my wife the other day, uh -huh. and she legitimately did not know that it oh. wasn't the story of Baby Yoda. She thought that was well, what the Mandalorian was about, 
was the story of a child Yoda. I, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it's not Baby Yoda, obviously. But, like, it, it's, more, it's more about that character than anyone knew when it was I know, else. right? Who would have thought? It, well, you know, my theory is that Yoda laid an egg, and that's how we got Grogu. I, I hear that. I, I, can, I keep saying it. I've I still keep think it's Yoda. that drum. So two years from now, when we find out that that's the case... I think I think you're going to see the paramour between Yoda and Yaddle in the High yeah. Republic that will set up the fact that you know they have their love child. <laughs> the love it sometimes fifty years before. Oh, that's so funny! Um, that could happen. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, I just absolutely love it. Like, I I think you could hook your wife on. Like, you should try the show out. It's about space dad. So I tried. All right. So I think we've told this story. We'll take just a quick second here and tell it again. Sure, sure. When I first met my wife, she didn't like The Office. And that was just not, that yeah. wasn't possible. And, and at just the to time. sum up for those listeners, because this was, R- Ross could do an office podcast. There's enough out there, so we don't really need to do office all in, but like Ross could do it, and then he wouldn't have to watch the shows every week. He could just tell you what happens. He basically is on, in the time I've known you, the amount of yeah. times I've walked up to your, your house and just, yeah. the office is just, on. I, yeah. I'm convinced at least one TV in your house yeah. is playing it on loop at all times, just in case. You know, fun you fact about we we only have one TV in our whole house. Really? Yeah. It's, I guess we have like iPads and phones and stuff. Then it's but... even further impressive yeah. how often I've seen it playing yeah. the office. I mean, it does play on that TV. Uh, I bought it on iTunes six years ago, so I'd be ready whenever it left Netflix. <laughs> uh, I am prepared. Um, I have, I mean, I've, I've probably seen this show incomplete over 500 times, I would say. That's insane. Like, I mean, I, I mean, literally off the top of my head, I feel like I could do an office all in podcast, but that's so, not what so we're here to talk about today. So, so that's anyway, the passion you have for that the office. That is how, so we're talking like, all right, so my wife and I started dating in 2011. Okay. So let's see, the office would have been like season six, seven, give or take. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head because 2013 it ended. So yeah, like season seven. And so she wasn't into it, okay? Right. And so over the years, like, you know, like, just constantly rewatching it, because, like, especially for years there, that was all I did was just watch it on loop. And <laughs> as we got, like, more and more recent, like, the last couple years, I realized that the way to get her to like something is not to just... Let's sit down and watch this because that never works. It didn't work with Star Wars. We only made it to episode five. Like it, it didn't go well. Okay. So at the office, I just started putting it on and didn't say anything and just let it play. Just osmosis. And eventually it just crept its way in and those those tendrils leak into you and all of a sudden you're laughing at Kevin and then you like the office. And now my wife loves it. Uh, and we still are at a point where she'll see episodes. She's like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Aww. Like we were watching like the first episode of season seven the other day. And she's like, I've never seen this intro before. And I'm like, I've seen this like 20 times this year. How have you never seen this? <laughs> and uh, so it's great. And so then that leads me to my next point. The other day, I was like, all right, I know she's getting home soon. I'm just, I'm in the mood for some Star Wars. I'm going to throw on Mando. And I just let like four episodes play. And I just started it. And I'm just, I out the corner of my eye. Yep. She's watching Sanctuary. I was like, look at, that little, look at that little baby Yoda. Yeah. She's watching him drink that bone broth. I knew it. And it's just like little bits at a time. So I'm working on it. I'm working on so, it. So your your belief system is uh, to get your wife into the things you're into. Conditioning is the <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. Is that what that's called? Um. Uh. Yeah. Well. Yeah. 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 She, she, she tolerates a lot with you. So it's, she it's does. All good. She she's an she's an independent person with her own beliefs. Very much so. I <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like she's not. No, 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 no. She, she, she loves you and loves that you love that stuff, even if she doesn't love it herself. Yeah. I mean, for goodness sakes, she traveled with the three of us down to, to celebration, hung out by the pool, read a book, had the best time of her life while we were just nerding out <laughs> far away from her. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. Um, and we and all went to well Harry Potter it. World and everything was great. Well worth it. We're in talks now about if she's planning on coming to California in 2022. Let her know that there's probably a pool there. Yeah, I will. California has pools. Many That's where you them. hide from the fires. Um, uh, okay. So we have a new pop to give away. Check out our Twitter. Um, and uh, it'll be available for one week. And then we'll announce the winner. Uh, so, you know, you know the drill. Go to Twitter. Uh, follow us. Retweet the tweet. Uh, you'll see it there. All right, sounds good. And I think that wraps it up for us. So I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday, 
may the Grogu be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.